0: Thank you. Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. We're so glad you're here with us. You are either a Southern woman or you're a man that adores them. Oh, yes. And we we you're equally important. You know well, what thank I'm saying? You. We I mean, appreciate that. <laughs> I'm talking right to you, Nick.
1: Don't know what we do without you. You've
0: got Southern women in your life that you adore. Absolutely. I know that you do. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. You know, we have some analytics that we look at every now and then. And I'd say it's pretty much right down the middle. We have about half of our listeners are men and uh-huh. about half are women.
1: There you go. Well, every good yeah. Southern gentleman has a Southern woman who raised him. Yeah. Yeah and a Southern woman who tells them what to do every day.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. And that's important in marriage, too. You yes, know? it is. It's like I tell with Earl. I said, uh, you're Mr. Right. And, I, and I'm and i Mrs. Always Right.
1: <laughs> so perfect.
0: So true. <laughs> <laughs> Putting that on a towel. That's what I need to do. You know, interestingly, uh, speaking of a kind of, I don't know what it says about, uh, about Southerners, but uh, yeah, many of you may know my Southern Sister's business. We do a lot of home products, and one of our best sellers uh, is our flower sack towels. Mm. These are dish towels, basically, but we put all of my designs on the front of the towels, and we have maybe close to 100 different designs now. Wow. So we were doing a little uh, little shopping analysis recently, our sales analysis, of which were our best sellers, and it's very interesting to me that the top sellers are all the ones that have to do with uh, either drinking... <laughs> <laughs> For example, one of our top sellers is a towel that says um you can't buy happiness, but you can buy champagne and that's kind of the same thing. That's a
1: valid point.
0: <laughs> then there's the one oh or the sassy southern women. That's a very that has a lot of appeal to people. Oh and, yeah. And we have one that says um I'm from the South, darling. I will bless your heart and then slap the mess out of you. Th- then <laughs> then I'll bring you a casserole. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's actually our number one seller this year so far. So.
1: Well, every good Southern woman has a little bit of sass, yeah. right?
0: Well, we that's got the, Yeah, some of us have more than others. Yeah, well, you have to you have to deal with <laughs> us, right? You know, I was thinking about something today when I was in the drive-through at Chick-fil-A getting my large sweet tea, uh-huh. which keeps me perky. <laughs> It keeps me happy and it keeps me perky during the day. And um, I was thinking a little bit about something that I had heard from a friend recently, who owns two restaurants, and she was telling me about the markup on beverages in oh, restaurants. Oh yeah, they make a killing. It's insane what they what they make on Absolutely. that. I mean, some of those drinks that you pay two or two fifty four in a restaurant uh, cost them about five cents.
1: That's including the labor to bring it to you.
0: How about that? <laughs> in, in most cases, they said the the cup is more expensive. If you're getting a paper cup, it's more expensive than the um.
1: The, the, drink the, the beverage it? itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So it made me, made me kind of think a little bit about money wasters. Oh, there's so many. Okay? And after doing a little poking around and a little bit of research, um, I came up with a list of what they, what many people consider to be the top six mindless money wasters. These are the things that hurt your wallet, but it does it in such a way that you, you're you not thinking about it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? The, the,
1: the nickel and dimes you
0: Nickel and dime. The slow oh. leak, so to speak, <laughs> right? So, believe it or not, number one on the list of money wasters are convenience stores. Mm. That might not surprise you, right? You well, know, I'll just get a
1: soda mm-hmm. and a bag of chips yeah, and a candy bar. Like, oh, whoa! Next thing you know, you, know you spent fifteen dollars, yeah. and that's on top of the gas you just <laughs> yeah, bought, exactly. right?
0: I know Earl's thing is uh, bear claws. Only he's not allowed to have those anymore. <laughs> I call those death in a cellophane bag.
1: That's true, but they're terrible for you. They're delicious. Trans fats.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. He he tries to see. He'll go in. He'll say, "I'll go in and pay for the." G-. No, I'm. Um, you stay right here. <laughs>
1: Make sure he doesn't get near the Little Debbie rack, right? I'm keeping an
0: eye on you. (laughs) Step away from the Little Debbies. It's not good for you. Uh, But convenience stores, guys, many people don't think about the markup. They pay for convenience store items. But uh, it's huge. The markup is huge. Because unlike grocery stores, you know, convenience stores don't buy things in large, large quantities, right? So they're paying more, and consequently, you're paying more. Plus, you're a captive audience, right? Exactly. You're standing there. You're getting gas. You're pumping gas. Mmm, I'd like a little you know, munchy, just a little something, snack, right? right? It's not a big deal. It's not worth the the price that you pay for it's the not... perceived convenience. Um, For example, a bottle of Coke at a convenience store might cost you around $2 mm-hmm. easily uh, for one of those twist top, you yep. know. And uh, you can go get a 12-pack for, you know, a fraction per bottle. Oh, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. One suggestion I heard was just get a 12-pack and keep it in your car. But I was thinking that it'd be hot.
1: Yeah, it gives you a Yeti cooler, though. Those things work. huh. Yeah. yeah. That might not be Hello, a bad yeah. idea.
0: I have a Yeti uh, tumbler. See,
1: that's what I do. Yeah. I, put my, I, I I have one cup that is not quite as tight, yeah. sealed. I put coffee in in the morning. Yeah. And then in my Yeti-style one I have, that's where the water goes. Because the really? ice and the water and everything is in there all, all day. All day long. Isn't ice that amazing? Cold.
0: All day long. Wonderful. The Yetis are great. I love those. Uh, another great money waster Um, are cell phone plans. Oh, my gosh. They will get you. Won't they get you? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, so much. They get you so much. So it's time. <laughs> a good suggestion for everybody. Check your monthly cell phone bill. I, I know I discovered this because I used to have a lot of kids on my cell phone bill mm. when I had all four of them at one time, right? Plus a business phone, plus my phone, plus, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my blah. gosh. And the interesting thing is sometimes you need to update that. You know, like, for example, when I dropped a couple of kids off of my plan once they got married and they were no longer on mom's dime, yeah. Um, I forgot to go back and adjust my minutes. So I was really paying for way more than I needed. So if you have not taken a little, uh, you know, a gander at your cell phone bill lately, you might want to do that. You might be able to trim off some, some bucks there off your bill. A lot of bucks. Um, soft drinks. Now this is kind of what we talked about earlier. Uh, consider a typical family of four that might eat out, let's say, twice a week at a restaurant. Okay, assuming on average about a dollar fifty for a fountain drink. Although I have to tell you, it was two fifty. I paid two fifty for one recently. Oh at, yeah. Where was I? I, I don't. Remember. I
1: don't know if many places you go anymore where you get a a, a drink, a soft drink at no. the restaurant for less than a dollar ninety nine. Right. I mean, that's the least of that. That's I've the seen.
0: very least, and you know their markup is huge because they're able to offer free refills. Of course, and, and they huge. don't
1: they have to pay for the cup once.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, but imagine this. Even if it was a dollar fifty. If you had a family of four, that's $12 a week, Mm -hmm. $48 a month, $624 a year. Imagine that. So just cutting out this one item from your meal could mean significant savings. If you were to invest $624 at a 9% rate of return every year, you would have almost $32,000 at the end of 20 years. Wow. Something to think about. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. you, You don't think about it, so you put it in that context. Over $600 a year on just soft drinks.
0: Right. Just get water and a couple extra lemons. The magic (laughs) of compounded interest.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know?
0: It's incredible. Now, another way that you guys might be wasting money, right, leaking unnecessary bank fees. Think about this, I, and I know I discovered this when I had my kids on like one of those free checking accounts mm-hmm. when they were young, and then what they once they hit twenty one, all of a sudden they were being charged, yep. and and that was no longer the best deal. There were cheaper options for them. Yep. Um, a lot of times these things just happen when you're not looking. So once again, maybe take a minute, take a look at your at your uh, at your bank statement. Yes. What are you really paying for that checking account? You'd be
1: surprised,
0: right? ATM fees if you're not at your bank. Oh, right. I mean, some banks charge ATM fe- fees when you're, you know, exorbitant ones, when you're uh-huh. using another bank's ATM, right? Uh, just know what you're dealing with. Um, some fees are $3. There are some. Uh, banks that charge an upwards of fifteen percent of the withdrawal. Yes. Right? Can you imagine that? That's outrageous. Yeah. Depending on how much happen, yeah. you're taking mm-hmm. out, right? Magazines are another way um, that they can really get you. If you're one of those ones that are picking up your magazines, oh Nick, you know you do. I I don't. Are you grabbing People magazine? Yeah. Well, you gr- know,
1: I'm more of a Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> you're reading kind about of reader, Kate Middleton. But, <laughs> oh, <you're a> <laughs> um, but no, not me. Yeah. But, you know, a close yeah. family member. Of mine uh, likes to have magazines that never right. get read.
0: Well, I got to tell you, if you just or... get a subscription, you're going to cut your cost by about oh, yeah. 80%. Yeah. Yeah, right?
1: There's just, just, no. Right, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you are going to have a subscription, actually read it and use it. Yeah, Please. I know. I know. and some of it's just garbage. <laughs> it is, Yeah.
0: But... <laughs> you know, and, and every now and then I'll get one. I'm like, I really don't want anybody to see me. When the kids were little, <laughs> I remember, now, I didn't have a subscription, but every now and then I'd get a people and I would like hide it. Oh, yeah. Along with the chocolate?
1: Along with the chocolate. Yeah, hide the
0: chocolate (laughs) in the People magazine. (laughs) Another way that you may be leaking money are annual credit card fees. Now, unless you have very poor credit history, there's really no reason to pay annual credit card fees. Uh, Many, many uh, credit card companies, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, have no annual fee cards. And even if you're paying for one now, uh, see what the current bank will do for you. A lot of
1: times, yeah, you can call and they will get rid of it for you. Hey, I'm
0: going to leave if you don't get rid of it. They'll
1: get rid of it and lower your interest rates. sometimes. How about sometimes. that?
0: Sometimes it just helps to ask. Yeah, that's how what about you gotta that? do. Just yeah. say please. <laughs> I know, right? Absolutely. Well, guys, there you have it. Ways to kind of cut back on your spending. Those mindless money wasters. Hey, we got a good show coming up. We have some um, we're talking oils today. Ooh. Not massage oils. These are these are uh, edible oils. Ooh, well, that yummy. sounds bad too. Hold on. Now, these are like olive oil. You know what I'm talking olive about? Olive oil. Walnut oil and how Ooh. to build them into your culinary program. So we'll be right back. To the Southern Sisters show, yeah, that's Talking Heads. Love it. I love Talking Heads. Just good, happy music, you know. It's
1: upbeat. And speaking of
0: happy topics, olive oil makes me happy. Really? I know that's a strange thing. Olive oil. Well, that just speaks to my brain, the kind of brain that I have. But (laughs) I I think about food all the time, so olive oil is something that really kind of gets me going. But I don't stop there at olive oil, guys. There's canola. There's grape seed. There's hemp really yes there's avocado oil vegetable oil canola what really is canola oil have you ever asked yourself yeah, that what, question what, what is a canola well i'm going to tell you <laughs> it's, a, it's a very strange fruit okay no i'm, I'm teasing <laughs> i'm taking no actually the canola oil comes from something called uh rapeseed which i think is a terrible name Whoa. i know r-a-p-e-s-e-e-d but it's a flowering plant that makes some exquisite oil I'm going to tell huh. you a little bit more about that. Interesting, But, you know, guys, when it comes to the performance and flavor, not all cooking oils are created equal. Maybe you have found yourself standing at Publix, Ingalls, Piggly Wiggly, yeah. Kroger. Name it. Fill it in, right? <laughs> Maybe you have found yourself standing in the oil aisle, staring at a, a vast array of bottles, wondering, what really is the difference? <laughs> You know, does it really matter? Does, they all, does any of it really matter? They
1: all kind of look yellowish, right? green. Does and, it really yeah. matter
0: what time it is? is it does important? anybody really know? <laughs> is it important though? Yeah, no, How is. vital is it? it I'm gonna t- I'm about to tell you. Oh. All right, are you ready? We're gonna do the little Southern Sisters guide to cooking oils, right. right? So grab a piece of paper, a pen, and jot this down. Now let's start with what I call pure or regular olive oil. Okay not EVOO, not the extra virgin, just the regular pure olive oil. Now all olive oil is made by crushing the olives into a paste and then extracting the excess water from the mixture. And this can be done on a stone press if you have an inclination to make your own olive oil at home, which I do not. But on the commercial side of things, they they use high-tech, you know, steel machinery to do this. Now, light olive oil is then treated with chemical solvents to neutralize the flavor. It's lighter in taste and color, not calories, though. So when you see light olive oil, please don't be mistaken to think that it has less fat. It doesn't. The good news is it's the good kind of fat, right? It's the kind that you want in your diet, okay? Um, so it is lighter in taste and color than extra virgin olive oil. And here's the nice thing. It has a smoke point, right? The temperature at which which it begins to smoke at of a uh, 465 to 470 degrees Fahrenheit. That makes regular olive oil or pure olive oil ideal for high heat cooking, all right? It's also good in vinaigrette, or so just when you want a splash of something, right? How about that? Absolutely. Now, here's the difference between that and extra virgin olive oil. Once the olives are pressed and the oil is extracted, you're left with extra virgin olive oil it's not been neutralized with anything right okay. no chemical solvents were used to neutralize the flavor so therefore it is very robust in flavor yeah. i mean some people don't like the taste of extra virgin olive oil they think it's a little too strong yeah. um i i like i happen to love it oh, yeah. um it can have depending on where the olives come from and you know i use olive oil um from from Georgia. I use really? yes. Huh. I do. I use a Georgia-based uh olive oil that's, that's grown cool. on olive groves in in Georgia. Yeah, I wow. love that. But, but depending on wherever the olive oil comes from, your the taste of the EVOO can be buttery, spicy, fruity. It could even have grassy notes. It just depends on where the olives come from. Huh. Kind of like wine. Oh, that's very true. Right? Yeah. What? So EVOO's lower smoke point means it's really not the best for cooking. Mm. The smoke point's about $325. Oh, wow. You can can do some with it, but you really are not, don't bother spending the money on the EVOO when you could just be using regular old olive oil. Yeah, that's
1: significantly lower. Right, it's a
0: great deal less. So depending on its place of origin, it can range in flavors from fruity to grassy to bitter or buttery. Now, what I like to do with this, especially since it tends to cost a little more, is I save it for vinaigrettes and Finishing oil. Mm. You know, if you've got a really good quality olive oil, you had, you know, like I'll drizzle it over hummus. Oh, yeah. If you have a flavored olive oil, you know, drizzle it over chicken or fish or anything like that. Right? Yummy. So anyway, and I will tell you, though, at 325 or less, you can fry eggs at that temperature. Okay. And so I have a friend that always fries her eggs in a little EVOO, hmm. and it's pretty darn delicious. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let's talk peanuts. Yeah. We're in, we're in Georgia. Yeah. Peanut oil. It's pale in color, and it's uh, you know got sort of a nutty scent mm-hmm. and a pretty strong flavor. Yes. Now, it can go rancid real quickly, so you want to keep it in a cool, dry place and use it within a few months. Best thing to do with peanut oil is maybe buy it in smaller batches. Yeah. You don't want to buy a ton of it if you don't think you're going to use it all. Um, it is recommended for high-heat cooking. Mm-hmm. Smoke point is 450 degrees, wow. right? So you can fry you some chicken. Yeah. And that's Is that what Chick-fil-A uses? What I... kind of oil do they don't use? Know
1: maybe I know that the whole like yeah. the turkey frying peanut oil is what a lot of people will say is not a bad choice for that right so yeah I figured the frying the peanut
0: might oil, it might might very well hmm. be now corn oil is another one refined corn oil is also used in frying and it also has a high smoke okay. point of about 450. the nice thing about it is unlike peanut oil corn oil is very neutral in flavor okay it's not going to impart the flavor of the oil into in, into your food you gotcha. see what I'm saying it's also uh, a much lower price point. Really? Mm-hmm. Which is why a lot of restaurants will use it for their fried foods. All right. Corn oil, right? And then right?
1: the no peanut allergy problem, too, if that's something you're worried That's a big issue for about. a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Right? Uh, and then there's coconut oil. Now, coconut oil is really pretty amazing. I have friends that use it as a moisturizer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. And it kind of solidifies at room temperature. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it is solid, like I said, at room temperature, and which means it's not really that great for vinaigrettes. Right? No. You can't. Y- it has to be warm for it to be...
1: An oil. An oil, right.
0: right? Gotcha. So, however, it is good for moderate heat roasting, right? It kind of melts and gives almost a tropical scent when it's heated. Hmm. So it might be nice if you're making some Polynesian chicken oh, yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? There you go. Hawaiian fried chicken or something Ooh. like that. Um, it's similar to butter consistency when it's when it's cold, right? So you can measure it and use it in baked goods. Oh, wow. How about that? Very cool. Coconut oil. All right? That's awesome. Now, vegetable oil. Now, when I was growing up, the only kind of vegetable we had in our house was vegetable oil. It was just, <laughs> you know, it was, I don't know. I don't know if this was in the 70s, so people just, it was Wesson or whatever. But But yes. um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking yes. about. But typically, vegetable oil is a blend of different refined oils. It also is neutral tasting and smelling, has a slightly lower smoke point, around 400 Um, I don't really use just plain old vegetable oil that much anymore, considering the preponderance of everything else that's out there. Very true. Now, here we come to the question about the canola oil. What is a canola,
1: huh? Yes, what is a canola? Here's
0: the truth behind canola oil. It is pressed from the rapeseed plant, once again, I hate that name, but that's what it's called. Yeah, that's not a good name. Canola oil is similar to vegetable oil in flavor, color, smoke point, and usage, right? Both canola and vegetable oil can be used in salad dressings. And here's the nice thing. You might want to cook with this and then finish off with some extra virgin olive oil. Ooh. Start thinking of your EVOO as something that you finish off with. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and you also want to, you know, store these in a cool, uh, dark place. Absolutely. Keep it away from heat.
1: Okay, so so so, a canola oil is kind of canola vegetable or kind of your standard, yep. basic cook with use yes. after oils exactly. Your extra virgin olive oil is not a good cooking option. Really not. So that's why sometimes when you use it, you get that kind of the the almost. I, Charred probably yes. isn't the right word, but right. it tastes that way. It's a
0: got a funny, way. funny overtaste to it. It's yeah. also it's gone beyond its smoke point, which it's not designed to do. It's mm. gonna lose its consistency and its flavor. Oh yeah. It's gonna tend to burn. Gross. Right? So you don't want that. Now you may have heard of grapeseed oil, which I actually love. It's a light green in color, and it is prized by restaurant chefs for its high smoke point of 420. But also, I, I like the way this is often described. They like—I know chefs like to say—that grapeseed oil plays well with others. Right. It's got the kind of oh. flavor that's—you can mix it with various things, and oh. it doesn't—it doesn't fight with the flavors of whatever you're cooking. Wonderful. How about that? Avocado oil is another really good one oh. because you know what? Those are really good fats mm-hmm. in there—good healthy fats. Um, I'll tell you something about avocado. It is a little more expensive, mm-hmm. but do you know it has a smoke point? Of about 520 degrees. Oh, my gosh. You can turn up the heat on the avocado, right? So you it's, could fry
1: in avocado yeah. oil. I wonder how that would taste. It would mm. probably
0: be expensive to deep fry. But think, think, think of sautéing or searing Ooh. where you don't need as much Very of it, right? Um, so there's no need to refrigerate it when it's opened. <laughs> uh, but as with all the oils, just store them in a cool, dark yes. place. Um, I have a really pretty olive oil um, Little uh, jar on my counter. That's mm. but I keep it small because I don't want to put too much in there at one time. Just what I'm going to use up over the course of a week yeah. or two. Otherwise, a lot of them you can buy them in bulk in cans.
1: Yes, very you know true. That, that
0: doesn't let any light get in. Um, sunflower seed oil is another interesting uh, one. that's great for searing and sautéing. Mm. Um, anything that's coming directly from a seed where they have to press the seeds yes. um, tends to be. It, it doesn't last quite as long. It can turn rancid mm. a little quicker. Got you. Now we're going to wrap up our oil segment here, with what I love to talk about, toasted nut and seed oils. Ooh. Now, these usually come in smaller bottles. Mm-hmm. They're a little darker in color. The the nuts and the seeds that they've used to make it, they've toasted them first. Ooh. So, like, for example, walnut oil is amazing. Pistachio. They are delicate in a smoke point. They do not, you don't want to heat them up at all, but they're big on flavor, right? Wonderful. So, if you're making a special dish, a pan-seared tuna, Right? Let's say a roasted chicken, maybe a salad. Just drizzle some of this fabulous toasted seed oil over the top and and you're good to go. Oh, Hello. me. Right? Great finisher. Oil on, y'all. We'll be right back. Turn off the telly, Nelly. Come to the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat meat. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davey. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. We are on the oil segment. It doesn't sound very exciting when I say it that way. But I got to tell you, oil is the key to happiness. It is the basis for so much of what I make in the kitchen. And I guarantee you, you guys are reaching for that bottle of oil probably every time you're cooking. You're either greasing something with it. You're sauteing something in it, right? Very true. You're mixing it into something. You can't bake a cake without it. Well, you can. But most cake recipes call for a little oil. Um, And the neat thing is, guys, that in this day and age here in the South, Uh, You have access to so many wonderful different types of olives and I'm sorry, oils, (laughs) including olive oil. Um, And, you know, I have to tell you, I have got an olive oil store near my home um, here in Atlanta that I just absolutely adore. It's an olive oil and uh, vinegar store. And so, you know, uh, specialty stores um, that have unique oils and vinegars are popping up all over the country. You can get them flavored um, I have tasted recently, um, well, in speaking of vinegars, I've sampled a chocolate vinegar recently, which sounds a little weird. It was a sounds little weird. A little it was a little bit strange. Um, but one of my favorite right, favorites right now is I have a Sicilian lemon olive oil that is to die for for pan-searing fish. Ooh. A regular olive really? oil. Mm-hmm. Oh. I pan sear it a little bit. I don't get the temperature up too high, but then I drizzle the olive oil over the fish at the end with some chopped fresh herbs, and mm. it's just very summery and fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, I gotta tell you, I got a beef with somebody.
1: Uh oh. I
0: have a beef with something. Um, you know, I always say, and I've mentioned this many times when I've done cooking demonstrations and things over the years. I I mention uh, sort of when I'm telling my story about how I got into what I'm doing about a very pivotal moment in my, shall we say, my culinary past, my culinary history. And that was the year when my children were little and I had a subscription to Bon Appetit magazine. And one year I decided to make the turkey and dressing recipe that was in the Thanksgiving edition of that magazine. So it would have been November, I don't know, 19 something. (laughs) It was a while ago. Um, And at the time, I thought it was so unique and amazing. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make this. Now, the the stuff stuffing had, I want to say, 32 ingredients. Mm, Whoa. It was a lot of everything and a little too much of some things. And uh, it took me forever to make. It was a big pain in the butt. I dirtied all kinds of dishes and baking dishes and saute pans and everything and finished this turkey and dressing. And my children just were kind of like, you know, It's good. You know, like I
1: don't want to hurt your feelings because I know you just totally worked your butt off,
0: right? But
1: it wasn't worth it,
0: it was just kind of okay. And I remember at the time thinking, I went back and looked at that magazine, and I'm like, you know, you sold me a pack of lies. Because I really thought if I spent four hours, ten, well, six hours probably making the stuffing, um, that it was going to be wonderful. And it mm-hmm. just was overdone. The kids in the end ended up telling me, which is like your, your good old-fashioned cornbread dressing, Mom, that you've been making forever, that your mm. mother made and that your grandmother made. And so I, that's probably – it was very pivotal for me because I came to realize that complicated is not best, right? Yes. And if you're cooking – if your intention of cooking is to impress someone just because of – for. for nothing more than the fact that the co- recipe is complicated and impressive and came from a certain magazine um then you're just you're not doing yourself any favors no, it's better no. to stick with what you know that works for you yes and the ultimate judge in the end is your family exactly. if they like it and they you know if they want to eat it
1: just keep sticking to it sometimes, sometimes simple it. is the best idea
0: well let me tell you what's not simple nick mm. is this bon appetit recipe
1: i'm interested well so
0: what's the what's the deal tomato? Tomato. with this okay so i was uh, i have a recipe that i've used for a while it's just a super simple kind of shortcut recipe for an heirloom tomato flatbread that I make every summer, that I love. It is, And I, I was noticing that Bon Appetit magazine had, um, had a recipe also. And I said, yeah, I'm going to check out theirs and see how it differs from mine. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you how it differs from mine. Number one, the recipe is two pages long. What? Number two, um, it has 27 ingredients. For a flatbread? For a flatbread pizza. What? Yes. Uh- now... I will admit that I have not made this recipe because I haven't had time to take off work for a day to make it. (laughs) Okay. I can't
1: imagine. I know what all they have.
0: Right, and I don't like to be snarky, and I don't like to. And as a rule, I don't criticize other chefs' recipes, even if I don't like them. But this is a whole magazine, and they should have known better. What gets me is when magazines like this—they sell their magazines in grocery stores—and the majority of the people that are buying this magazine are home cooks. Yeah. And so you create this expectation that to make a really good tomato flatbed bread, you have to reserve, you know, four hours of your afternoon and go purchase twenty-seven different ingredients. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. Then it's just not worth it. No.
0: It's a lie from Hades is what it is. <laughs> so we're going to set this aside, and I'm going to tell you guys how to cut uh, the preparation time down and your ingredient list drastically uh, by making the Southern Heirloom Tomato Flatbread. Ooh. It's Guys, this is so easy, and I, I make this every summer multiple times. I, I start with a shortcut. You may be familiar with the little non breads yeah. that are in. You know what I'm saying? They usually come in packs of two. It's that sort of Indian flatbread that mm-hmm. has a wonderful consistency. I use them for little homemade pizzas all the time. Hmm. They're easy to use. Um, but what I do with these is I take them. I brush them with a little bit of olive oil. Let's say, they're, let's say I'm going to make four of them. I would buy two packages. I would brush the naan with a little bit of of olive oil, as we know about the smoke point on the olive oil. (laughs) I will put it into the oven at about maybe 325. Just crisp it up a little bit. Kind of give it that little bit of crispiness, right? And then what you're going to do in a small bowl is I would combine eight ounces of cream cheese, a half a cup of sour cream, two cloves of garlic, and a couple of tablespoons of fresh herbs, something that you, whatever floats your boat. I've done dill. I've done basil before. I've Mm. done thyme. Okay. What you're creating is just a, a cold cheese mixture. That's very spreadable. Okay. So this dish is served at room temperature. So you take the non bread out of the oven, let it come to room temperature, let it cool off. And then you're going to spread. Oh, I'd say maybe about a Fourth of a cup, maybe not even that much, of this yummy cream cheese, sour cream, herby, garlicky, cheesy mixture. Mm-hmm. Right, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> over the over the non bread, you got it. Then you're gonna need five to six fresh tomatoes. Now, if you want this to be really, really pretty, try picking up some heirloom tomatoes. Mm. You know, I mean, they're so beautiful. They um, are. And go ahead. You can pull out your phone and take a picture and put it on Instagram. <laughs> you know, if you go buy yourself some heirloom tomatoes, which cost a little bit more, you, you would want to preserve this with a picture, oh, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'll do like one of the little dark Cherokee purple tomatoes and maybe mm-hmm. one of the golden yellow tomatoes and some good old red tomatoes and just kind of lay those nice slices of tomato over the top. And then here comes our olive oil, right? Mm-hmm. Our good quality olive oil. Drizzle a little bit of that over the top, right? Um, how about a little kosher salt and some cracked black pepper? Perfect little Okay, finishes. You just eat it at room temperature. Slice it up. It is to die for. I could make a meal out of this. I was
1: about to say, that sounds... Lit and, and, yeah. and
0: and that was okay. It? I'm sorry. Recipe that was wise? that was it. Okay, let's yeah, so, okay. So, so. Wait, we,
1: we don't have to. We don't have no. to take half a day. <laughs> All right.
0: No. So on one hand, we have. Let's see. Jenny's recipe has. Let me count up here. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. Eight ingredients, excuse me. Wow. And guess what? Um, you know, one of them is the flatbread, which is already prepared. You just pick it up and put it in your grocery <laughs> So cart. was
1: that part of the Bon Appetit? is they wanted you to make your own flatbread?
0: Yeah, that was part of it, too. Oh,
1: my gosh. And I'm
0: not, it's not that I'm opposed to bread making, but if I was going to make a, a, a tomato flatbread, I just wouldn't go to that trouble. I, and yeah. it's not even the, the bread part that bothers me. It's just so elaborate. So many spices and herbs in here that I personally do not think you would even distinguish when you make it all yeah, and and put it together. And that's the
1: other thing, too, I think a lot of people need to keep in mind is w- when you start seasoning something, you get to a point where you season it too much, not to the point where it tastes over-seasoned, but to the point where you can't taste any of it, it at all. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't
0: matter. And some of the ingredients in her are things that I guarantee you you wouldn't use more than once or twice. Yeah. You know what so, I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. Was... So, you really don't, like, okay, one teaspoon of sumac it calls for in here. But, get you know... They just need to get over themselves. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I guarantee you, a home cook did not develop that recipe. They're trying
1: too hard. That's what that is.
0: Anyway, so that's that's what I have to say about that. Now you know we were talking about olive oils and all types of oils in our last segment. Yes, I'm going to give you guys a couple of tips on infusing your own olive oil. Mm. So you don't need to go to an expensive olive oil store and buy flavored. Olive oils. If you don't want to, you can make your own. I'm going to give you a couple of quick tips on how to infuse oils. You put this in a pretty little jar, put a bow around it. It makes an excellent like gift at Christmas time. Perfect idea. People will love to receive some infused oils. Absolutely. Just remember that at Christmas time. All right. I want a basil basil infused (coughs) olive oil from you. Basil. Okay. (laughs) What you want to do if you're going to infuse your own olive oil is you want to choose a bottle uh, that's right. You want to find one with a tight tight top or tight cover. Um, A bottle with a cork stopper on top is really nice, that works really well. Um, Metal lids can kind of rust over time, so you might want to avoid those, but just wash your bottles so they're good and clean, allow them to dry. Then decide what kind of herbs you want to use, okay? you Choose the herbs based on your preference, okay? Thyme, rosemary, sage, basil, oregano, these are all great. You can use fresh herbs or dried herbs, but if you use fresh ones, you want to make sure they're good and dry before mm. you put them into the olive oil, okay? Bacteria can grow if you throw wet herbs in there, oh. okay? Got it? Now, you see, you want to wash the herbs first, dry them thoroughly, and then you're going to combine the herbs and the olive oil. And this can be done by placing the dried herbs in the bottom of the bottle, use a funnel, and pour the oil over the herbs and fill the bottle close to the top. Got it? That's it. That's all there is to it. That sounds Seal the bottles and just store them in a cool, dry place for about a week. You know, what I like to do is every now and then I'll go back and kind of shake the bottle a little bit or kind of, you know, swirl just it around, to, move it around just a little bit there. to make sure it's there. working. Right? Yeah, it is amazing. You can store your infused olive oil in the refrigerator um, and use it, you know, in about a week, or or you can keep it longer if you use the dried herbs. There you go. How about that, that guys? Goes back to
1: the first segment, money saver. Money saver.
0: Oh, you would save a lot doing this yourself, <laughs> yeah. Well, happy oil time, guys. Try these recipes, and of course you know you can find them on our website, southernsistershome.com. Click on the blog. We'll be right back. Stay Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. Well, I tell you, I'm happy to be here. I am too. Mm, Love hanging out with our Southern sisters and the men who adore them. Well, here we are, guys. It's happy time in the studio. uh,
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's a happy time of the year. It is. Especially as a parent, because the kids are back in school.
0: Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you for the start of school. Yes. Thank you. It's almost like God knows exactly when we've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've had enough summer fun. You need a break. You need a break. <laughs> yeah, you need a break. And uh, I think it does a lot for the their uh, moms and dads' sanity. You know? Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, just sending the kids on back to school now. So <laughs> we have lots of reasons to be happy, but just in case you're not, there might be a reason.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: So the Southern Sisters have some insight on, uh, well, let's just say some habits that you may have that are stealing your happiness.
1: Oh, no. Yes. We're doing it to ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. You know, Norman Vincent Peale once said, Our happiness depends on the habit of mind we cultivate. Mm. So practice happy thinking every day, cultivate the merry heart, develop the happiness habit, and life will become a continual feast. Wow. Now, that could be overstating it just a little bit. <laughs> but I do think he's on to something there about this, what he called the habit of mind. Yes. You know, training your mind mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. I've often said my key to happiness has been low expectations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm continually surprised and happy because <laughs> I just go in with a really negative attitude. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if that's.
1: Maybe maybe not for everybody.
0: But I'm w- learn if it something. works for you. I promise you I'm going to learn something from this segment as much <laughs> as anybody. I really am. Well, you know, I have to tell you. Um positive uh psychology is a sort of an art form. And uh the gentleman that started the power of positivity, which is a website that I follow that's mm-hmm. also on Facebook has a lot of great little uh sayings and just little little thought-provoking um, you know, reflections on life mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a They talk a lot about the art of positivity, right? And uh, the founder of modern positive psychology, Martin Seligman, proposes that around 60% of your happiness is determined by your genetics and environment, while the remaining 40% is up to you. Mm. Considering that you have some control over your environment, you actually have a big sway in whether or not you lead a happy life. How about that, Nick? Right. Your habits are something within your control and play a large part in determining whether or not you experience happiness. Right. So an important aspect of controlling your habits is being mindful. I love that word. It it, it relates to consciousness. You know, rather than just sleepwalking through life, you're conscious of what you're doing at Mm -hmm. this moment uh, in living in the moment, that mindfulness. Right. So being mindful as to which things are making you happy and which things are taking away your happiness. Mm. All right. I'm going to tell you a little bit about seven habits that some of us have that can steal your happiness away if you let it.
1: Uh-oh, moment of truth. Here right? we go. Right.
0: And you might do this and we I definitely do some of these, okay? Oh, okay? Number 1, and this may be no surprise to anybody, but uh one thing that can steal your happiness is comparing yourself to others. Mm. We've actually talked about this on the show before because I know that men do it too. Oh yeah. Uh, but boy, women really do it. Oh, We've yes. turned it into an art form.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately.
0: We right. check each I, I've often said I think that women check out other women. As much as men check out women because we're just comparing ourselves to them.
1: Probably. You're probably right. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's not
0: a healthy habit. Now, good old Teddy Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And that is true and unfortunate at the same time. Now, whether it's someone else's physical appearance, their job title, right, their income level, their house size, whatever, comparing yourself to someone else is a very bad habit, and it will often bring a heavy dose of unhappiness. Because mm-hmm. you can be completely content and happy with your situation one moment, but then suddenly you see someone else who has something better or different, and suddenly you're not happy anymore.
1: That envy.
0: Nothing has changed true. in your environment, right? Yeah. You've just now compared it to somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Right? How about Bad that? for you. So far, as with uh, many other human emotions, our tendency to compare ourselves to others is as natural as it is damaging. It's also something that you can learn to be mindful of and defend against one rate, uh, great way of doing this is to become mindfully aware of your own success mm. and remind yourself of them often throughout the day.
1: That's a very good point. Compare yourself now to yourself last year yeah. and years before. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. healthy.
0: That's, that is healthy. Yes. Right? I look back and say, dang, I was stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't look, we all look know? Look how smart don't, I am now.
0: <laughs> don't we all do that? Right, right. I'm a doggone genius compared to me last year. Right. <laughs> but don't compare yourself to others. They have a no. whole different set of circumstances mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with you. Exactly. Right. Now, number two, habit that can steal your joy is working a joyless job.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I gotta tell you, I have a lot of joy when I'm here in the studio with you, Nick. Oh, this is a thank joyful you. part of what I do each week.
1: I, I, I enjoy. It too. Good. Absolutely.
0: See, it's joyful. You enjoy good play on words there. Yeah. And it's contributing to our happiness, yes, it is. if I may speak Absolutely. for both of us. So as Americans, we are some of the most overworked people in the world. Now, you also uh, may know or may not know this, that we have the dubious honor of being the unhappiest in our jobs. Mm-hmm. Gallup conducted a study in which 70 percent of the 150,000 people polled were either disengaged or actively disengaged at work, a.k.a. miserable. Yep. Now, chances are you have been taught that work is not supposed to be fun. Well, shouldn't it at least be engaging? It should be. And if you're trying to live a happy life anyways, working a joyless job for no other reason than a paycheck will almost certainly result in discontent and unhappiness. Well,
1: let's be honest here, folks. You spend most of your time at work. Right. You know, I mean, of, of a single day. Right. You're either mostly asleep or at work. Right. So you might as well try and find something that you enjoy at least a little bit, right?
0: Right. A way that you can contribute, something where you're feeling productive, and if not, start looking for something else. Yeah, you You know, you
1: know, you don't quit and up and quit your job, no, no, but you can always find something else. Because that would bring on other types of unhappiness, exactly,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and worry. (laughs) Well, that actually does lead us to our number three uh, bad habit for uh, robbing us, I guess, of our joy and our happiness is allowing worry to control you. Mm -hmm. So worry is like a rocking chair. You like this? Mm-hmm. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere.
1: Oh, right. That's there. You go. This is
0: a great. You should commit that one to memory. Right. Going one step further, worry not only gets you nowhere, it can also extinguish the flame of your ambitions. Yes. Okay. True. So it's the oftentimes worry is the byproduct of holding on to something that has caused you hurt and disappointment in the past. Right. Hmm. Best thing to do here is let it go. Yes. Right.
1: That's easier said than done. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is exactly what you need to do. Right. And we For are. yourself.
0: I agree. Right? So there's one one little trick then. Try to let those worries go. And, you know, they say 90% of everything we worry about never actually comes to pass.
1: Yeah. Very true. So
0: we're spending an awful lot of time worrying about things that aren't <laughs> going to happen. doesn't
1: matter how much you worry. The worry won't fix the problem. It
0: doesn't. It has no effect on it other than making you unhappy and exactly. miserable in the process. Right? <laughs> uh, number four uh, habit that may be robbing you of your happiness is thinking that pursuing pleasures brings happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, the pursuit of pleasure cannot provide you with enduring fulfillment, all right? And that even includes material possessions, okay? So there are really three types of happy lives. A pleasant life in which you pursue as many pleasures as you can. A life of engagement in which you find a life in your work, love, parenting, leisures, shall we say. And the third type is a meaningful life. And this consists of knowing what your highest strengths are and using them in the service of something larger than yourself, mm. right? Knowing what, you, what you're good at yeah. and channeling your abilities and talents in that direction, right? That third type, the meaningful life, has the greatest potential for long-term happiness. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because the pleasures, you can chase those pleasures. They're fun for a little while, uh-huh. right? You know? I think
1: I think that's kind of what you just said, the, 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 the pleasures mm-hmm. to the fulfilling to the meaningful. Right. I really think that's probably almost the progression of us as people. Because, right. I mean, you know, you're 19, 20, 21, you're right. going out and, you know, drinking with the all friends. All about having me. A good, to, yeah. yeah, and you seek out the pleasures. Yeah. And then you realize you mm, need something a little bit more than that. So you start to do the fulfilling. Right. A parent, a professional, exactly. things like that. And as you start to get later in life, you realize, you know, no. What those does things it all are mean? great. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. What's the grand What's the plan, plan here, here? right? Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a good point. How about huh. that? Hmm. so there you go. So go if you are if you are living under the if you're living under the illusion that that just just pursuing the physical pleasures, the, the material pleasures is gonna make you happy, um, you're gonna end up being unhappy, mm-hmm. right? Number five, taking your unwelcome thoughts too seriously. Oh okay. Yeah. So possessing more brain power than the world's most advanced supercomputer is both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> your advanced thought processes are great for productivity, guys. Complex problem solving and even meeting the demands of life. However, human beings have the innate tendency to overthink. Yep. Right? And that can rob you of your happiness. Oh, yes. So it put can. those unuseful, unproductive thoughts where they belong, and that is not in your brain. Okay? <laughs> Another way to sure habit for uh, depleting you of your happiness is to neglect your passions. You know, even if you, let's say you're not crazy about your job Monday through Friday. You always have a way to then turn that around on the weekends and do things that do bring you passion and happiness. Those hobbies. You know, maybe those things that you can't necessarily at this point turn into a um, a job, a full-time job. Yeah. But they're your passions, Absolutely. your pursuits. You know what I'm saying? Like that line from Sense and Sensibility that I walked, watched over the weekend. She said, what are his passions, his pursuits? That's what I'm talking about, right? Pursue those, right. okay? Absolutely. Don't put it off. And then the, the seventh and final most common habit to rob you of your happiness is putting things off. Mm. Believe it or not, Procrastination. procrastination is a joy robber, right? So guys, just think about it for a second. I mean, if you having to do something that you aren't fond of, instead of doing something you enjoy... Uh, is mentally taxing, right? But then again, the, the the dissatisfaction and the unhappiness that comes from at the end of the day realizing you didn't get any of it done yep. is even worse. It's even worse.
1: You have to hang on to that feeling of "yay, I got stuff done," right? And use that as your motivator. Yes. It's not easy. No. But and you th- can do it.
0: The Procrastination Research Group here in this country. I've been meaning to join that. <laughs> I just keep I just keep putting it off. <laughs> Guys, we are so glad that you joined us this week for the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Go to the website, southernsistershome.com. Check out the recipes at the blog. Send me an email. I love to hear from my listeners. Radio at southernsistershome.com. Have a great week.